Father, we come to you all from different places today, feeling different ways even, having different trials going on maybe, or concerns in our lives or struggles that has us down. Father, we pray that you would just meet us once again and provide to us what only you can provide with truths from your word, with help for each of us wherever we're at. You have that for us and you've given us a powerful word, the scriptures, to help us with all that we struggle with and that we go through in our lives, Lord. So we pray that you would meet us and care for us through your word. We say this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we come to the end of our Downcast series, I just have to ask again, just to the congregation, based on where you might be today, are you downcast? Maybe you're depressed or extremely sad and low right now. Or maybe you are just anxious and extremely fearful and worried in life, or even despairing, helpless, and hopeless. Once again, I want to remind you, wherever you're at, you are not alone. Maybe you're here and you feel like you're doing pretty well right now in your life, and once again, I want to thank God for that, but I'm pretty sure every last one of us in this room know downcast people. We do. Maybe a spouse or a child or a teenage son or daughter. Or maybe a good friend or a fellow church member or a neighbor or a relative that you care deeply about. Maybe you know someone like that. Here's the thing. We have all either been downcast ourselves or known loved ones who have been downcast in life, because in a fallen world, these are things that occur to fallen humanity, and we need to lay aside sometimes the stigma that is associated with people not doing well. Why? Because people sometimes are not doing well, even in Scripture, as we saw and as we've seen through the series about those who ask, along with the psalmist, why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me, as we see in Psalm 42? And we've been asking that question, haven't we, through the series, the last three weeks and even now. Why so down? Why so depressed? Why so anxious? Why even despairing? Why? Why, God? Why? 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 And hopefully, we've all grown in our understanding of the why of the downcast experience through the series. For yourself, understanding yourself, and then also understanding others. 
realizing all the potential and even mysterious and multifaceted causes of this pervasive struggle in the fallen world that we live in. Hopefully, we've grown in those ways. And please, once again, I just encourage and exhort all of those of you who are not now struggling yourselves, let this understanding that we've gained through the series create in you a humble, compassionate, caring, and loving heart for the downcast. A heart that wants to help. A heart that wants to encourage and to be there for the hurting because there are really hurting people that are there, even amongst us. People you know, they're there. Don't be blind to it. Now, you may have thought through this series and you may have had this thought cross your mind Isn't helping hurting people the job of pastors or therapists and counselors? Kind of wondering what in the world this has anything to do with yourself. Why is he talking to me about this? There's other people that have that job, okay? So stop it with that pastor. Maybe it's been in your mind in some way, and certainly there are people and Positions like this that usually intend to help hurting people. But the idea that only a select few are called to care, you see, is not a biblical vision at all. Because the biblical worldview truth is that every Christian, that includes you if you're a believer here, is called to help others, even the downcast. And this leads us to our first point, In our sermon in number one, every believer a helper. Romans 15, 14, turn there or look at it on the screen. It says this, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourself are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. Or Galatians 6, 1 and 2. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him In a spirit of gentleness, keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Or Hebrews 3 and verse 12, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. You see, we need each other in the Christian life to help each other in the Christian life. Romans 15 that we just saw reveals that Christians filled with the Holy Spirit and God's word should be instructing one another or counseling and giving advice and caring and speaking words of truth and direction to one another's lives. And Galatians 6 teaches, as we just saw in our series through the book, that Christians are to help each other repent of sin even, to get out of that tangled mess and really help with all other kinds of burdens that we might face in the Christian life, whatever they are. Burdens abound, don't they? 
We're to bear each other's burdens. Hebrews 3 reveals the urgency of one another care and help for each other, even from professing Christians, maybe even falling away from the faith. There are needed exhortations that we as Christians need to be doing, exhorting like a father to his son or daughter, telling each other truths that we must not forget. Christians encouraging one another to keep the faith, to not fall away day by day as long as it is called today so that we may not be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And aren't we all susceptible to that kind of hardening in the world that we live in? Look, there is so much discouragement going on all around us. There's a danger that we might be hardened. We need to be there for each other. Because in this fallen world, as we've been seeing each week in this series, there are very hard life trials, struggles, and temptations, aren't there? It says, if God is saying in his word, without the church, without each other, we are all in grave danger. Because if you're not connected to your church, and I mean connected, People know you, you know them. People are praying for you, you're praying for them. People see you regularly, you see them. If you're not connected to your church, you are in a scary, terrifying place. I warn you. Because that's exactly the truth, isn't it, that we see in Scripture. Which is why I've been encouraging us not only to gather in person, which is so important, but to also intentionally seek to care for each other in the Christian life. Because as you know, intentional discipleship is one of our key commitments at First Baptist Church of Gallatin for a reason, because we need each other. And we're gonna have our fall table talks that Pastor Wood announced earlier coming up in September for a reason so that we might help cultivate this awareness of every single church member and having the ministry that we have to take that upon ourselves to care for one another as we seek to encourage and spur on each other in discipleship in the Christian life. You remember recently as we've received new members, the language of our membership vows that each new member is seeking to take responsibility for the rest of the members' discipleship as they're also cared for in their own growth and discipleship as well by the rest of the other members, which is why when we become members together, we are agreeing that we are here in this local church in Gallatin, Missouri, going to care for one another in ways that only members at a local church are going to be able to do. The church in another state isn't going to be able to care for you the way that members here at this church are going to be able to care for you. You are not expected to care for somebody in another country or state or somewhere else. No, God has providentially placed you here in this church for a reason. And one of those important reasons is that we would care for each other's growth in the Christian life. You realize that part of that responsibility of discipleship, is the responsibility to even help 
the downcast? Which, let me remind you, is not a fixed target as each of us are susceptible to becoming downcast, aren't we? So we all care for each other in a variety of different ways and in different seasons and times throughout our Christian life. Now, you may not know what to say to someone in that situation. and You might feel in over your heads thinking about caring for someone in that way. But I want you to realize that it's not all on you. We're in this together to help care for each other together. But I want us also to be aware of the fact that this is on our radar to play a part and to use our gifts to help in any way we can. Because if Christians don't take this responsibility, then who will, I ask? And if each of us doesn't seek to bear each other's burdens and speak biblical truth to one another and speak even words of warning and exhortation to continue on in the faith, don't fall away. Stay close to the gospel. Keep believing the truths. I know it's hard, but don't give up. I know life is scary and terrible and you feel so discouraged, but don't give up. Don't give in. Please stay Please keep trusting the Lord. Please keep trusting Jesus. He's your Savior. Look to his word. We're there for you. We see you. We care for you. If we don't do that, then no one is going to be helping anyone at this church. But that's not how God intended it. For everybody to be alone and ignored and unseen. No, God intends every believer to help each other out. But here's the thing, as we've seen before in point number two, not all helpers are helpful. Psalm 1, 1 says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Now, just because I'm encouraging every last one of us, every believer to help, even the downcast, it doesn't mean that everyone on the face of the earth are actually going to be really helpful. Don't get me wrong. And someone clearly shows here, unbelievers are not to be consulted for help and hope. We do not condone seeking the counsel of the wicked. Ungodly, so-called help, will lead you down a bad path. So someone claiming to be a helper, but then they're giving unbiblical help that contradicts a biblical worldview, is what? Not helpful. Now, this is not to say that unbelievers can't in any way do anything that is true or helpful in the world. No. For instance, because of common grace, there are even unbelieving... Atheist doctors who, due to the grace of God, common grace of God, they may prove to be very competent in their work. So so don't get me wrong in what I'm saying here. But I want to point to you that we need to spot godless advice for what it is and that so-called help from the world, which, look, the world is going to point you in a variety of different ways. Unbelievers will propose to have all the answers. 
oftentimes people will say things that are just godless advice and direction, dangerous even, and not to be accepted or implemented because not all people who claim to be helpers are helpful. So we need to let the word of God and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit help us to only listen to true helpers and to point us away from the scoffers. Beware if we're drawn towards unbiblical words and truths and worldview. But here's the thing, unbiblical, unbelieving worldviews and godless helpers are not the only thing we have to worry about because as we've seen, that there are other examples of bad helpers. And I've mentioned Job before to us through the series a few times, and we know that Job went through immense suffering, terrible, unthinkable tragedy in his life. And Job was even despairing. It was so bad. But do you remember that his friends actually made matters worse for him and made a terrible situation? Even more terrible, if that's possible. They claimed to be religious and know all the biblical answers, but they gave unhelpful, unbiblical counsel. So just because someone says that they're religious and they use religious lingo, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's someone that you should listen to. And you beware of even believers giving bad, unbiblical counsel. Job 16.2 says, I have heard many such things. Miserable comforters are you all. When they should have been weeping with Job in his sorrows, which they did that at one point, which was good, but they moved on to a kind of detective mode, trying to figure out all the ways Job must have messed things up himself based on his own actions that somehow brought all this calamity on himself. They thought, they had the unbiblical worldview, that there must be something wrong with Job, something that Job did to lead to all this suffering in his life. But they were wrong, as we know. And they made a really awful situation. Oh, they made it miserable because they were miserable comforters, meaning... They were not comforters at all. So it's very obvious that we should avoid unbelieving, godless so-called helpers who promote sinful solutions for us, but we must also avoid uncaring religious talkers, uh, as I think Eswine kind of puts it, who give trite, simplistic answers and completely miss the point. They don't have the biblical knowledge and worldview and perspective, and they speak to you in religious-sounding ways, in ways that are so far and sometimes even a few degrees off from biblical truth. We need to avoid that too. And this is also important for us to add to these unhelpful so-called helpers. Also, what the Proverbs warn about, as we know, as foolish Advice. Proverbs 13, 20 says this, whoever walks with the wise become wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Now, I don't need a show of hands, but how many of you have learned this lesson of being negatively influenced by foolish 
people the hard way in your life. And I think back to my high school days when I was an unbeliever. I think I may have fit all three of these. I did fit all three of these negative categories. And I also knew and was influenced by all three of these negative categories as well. I myself encouraged sinful behavior prior to my conversion. I gave bad counsel. I gave bad direction. I encouraged bad things. Also, as a professing Christian who was not truly born again, I even gave trite, simplistic answers to serious and complex situations, kind of the bumper sticker Christianity, you know, simplistic, you know, oh, whatever, fill in the blank. Something that's not biblical, but it's just repeated over and over again. I did that kind of thing, and I was also following fools and giving foolish influence on others just as all of us fools foolishly led each other down destructive ways. High school was for me, as it is for many others, a fool party. We did what was right in our own eyes. Let's just say God spared me and by saving me, put me on a path, a different path that I was on, spared me from disastrous, foolish consequences had I continued on that path. And even during that path, by God's grace, he changed me. But let's just say not all helpers are helpful because some are going to lead towards these foolish ways. We've all been there. We've all heard that kind of bad counsel. But the reason I'm warning us about the so-called bad helpers here is because I want you to seek to be giving wisdom and pursuing wisdom from wise and helpful people and avoid that ditch or that dead end of advice from bad helpers and bad counselors and unhelpful people. But not only that, but I also want to motivate each and every one of you in point number three, to grow in your helping ability. Proverbs 15, 23 says this, to make an apt answer is a joy to a man and a word in season, how good it is. A perfectly fitted word and an answer at the right time is so, be good, is so good because it's wise and true and helpful to those who receive it. The exact opposite of that is foolish. And since not everyone equally gives these helpful words, they don't. And you know when you've received one of these useless words that were not well-fitted, right? That were not in season. You know what bad advice and counsel and answers can just hurt the situation and hurt you, not leading to joy but leading to sorrow. And then on the flip side, you also hopefully know what it is to get that custom-made, perfect, fit word from someone as well. You know what both of those look like, hopefully. But I want to speak to each and every one of us here and remind us that wisdom doesn't just grow on trees all around you. Wisdom is an acquired attribute given to wise and growing Christians, not perfect Christians, 
since there are none of the hosts, there's no perfect Christians running around anywhere, but men and women who are hungry for the truth and learning and applying the Bible to all of life. I want us to seek to be like that. And it doesn't happen overnight. You gotta work at that. It's something that you have to put time and effort and thought into. And growing into maturity as Christians will actually make you useful to those around you. But it doesn't happen by osmosis or by just sitting there and doing nothing. Then all of a sudden, you're just going to be mature. You're going to be biblically wise. You're going to have the right words. No, that will not happen. It won't. Colossians 1, 9 and 10 says this, and so... From the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Are you bearing fruit in good works in your life? And are you growing or increasing in your knowledge of God? If not, you will be a miserable helper. You will have nothing to say to those who come to you for help and wisdom and care. And if you aren't growing as a Christian, then you will be just stunted in your Christian life, not moving anywhere, not helping yourself, and not helping others either. So examine yourself to see where you're really at in this because it's important. The hurting needs you. Dear saints, your kids need you to be maturing and wise. But if you're not giving yourself to Christian growth, you won't be doing anyone any good. Prioritize Christian maturity by seeking to learn and apply the word of God in your life. None of us have ever arrived, but if we do not grow in the knowledge of God, we will be useless to help others, ourselves included. And if we do not seek to do the things of God, we will just be selfish and miss out on opportunities all around us to help other people because we're just thinking about ourselves. We're not thinking about caring for anybody else. But helping and caring for others, you see, it takes work and it takes skill even. You know who you choose to go to in a time of need. You know the kind of person that speaks a good word at the perfect time. Or who knows God's word so well, they're soaked in it, you know they love God and his word that you know that they could point you to godly wisdom. They're not going to tell you something that's going to derail you that's unbiblical because you know that those people that are biblical. And I want you to seek to be that biblical person as well, that wise person as well, that helpful person as well. Oh, that is a wonderful blessing to so many people around us if we're that kind of person. Maybe consider 
signing up for table talks, to engage in theological and practical discussion about things that really matter. We discuss discipleship and being able to counsel and care for each other. In fact, this next semester, some of the videos we're going to do dealing with interpersonal conflict and people that struggle getting along. How many of us want to grow in that kind of thing? Being able to gather around a table, discuss, engage, encourage one another. Don't you think that that might be a helpful thing to consider pursuing? Look, life is short. Always recognize, I realize that in different times, I want us to do something significant with our lives. Prioritizing growing in the knowledge of God, let me tell you, is significant to pursue. Perfect use of time. And then seeking to care and help other people, investing in your local church and the ministry that God has put you in, God has placed you here, is a significant thing to do. Or regularly come to our Sunday school classes, as Daryl mentioned earlier, to learn and discuss and pray for each other and to seek wisdom from the word of God and to put word of God into practice. You're missing out, as he said, if you're not being involved in these graces of our church that we're able to grow in a variety of ways. Pursue these things. The word of God is important. Don't just sit on the sidelines and tune out. Don't just ignore pursuing growth and care, but look expectantly to be filling yourself up with biblical truth in order to put into practice these things in your daily life. Come to evening prayer service so you can hear the word and pray together again. Or, or of course, come to our Sunday morning Worship services ready to hear truth from God's word and to apply it in our lives and to mature and to be shaped by the Bible. This is what all of our services are about. This is what we're about at First Baptist Church. And all of this is to say that Christian majority and competence in helping and teaching others the word In biblical wisdom, it just doesn't grow on every tree, but is cultivated in believers in in certain trees that are growing themselves. So you could either waste your time by being careless Christians who remain stagnant. I don't want that for you. Or you can commit yourself to making your life count as growing Christians, preparing yourself to be that wise counselor instead of the fool. And all this is to emphasize that each of our growing and our growing in our ability to help and counsel and to care for others well is something that should be on our priority lists of pursuing. But I don't want you to get the wrong idea here either that all of this is something that you can just produce on your own willing and goodness and good works, and somehow you could just make this happen all by yourself. That is not at all what I'm proposing here. We need to be motivated by something more than just the desire to be able to be wise counselors, of course. This leads us to our fourth and final point in sermon, number four. Above all, love, the downcast. Love. The downcast. Ephesians 4, 15 to 16 says this, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. 
from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Or 1 John 4.20, it says this, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Or how can we forget? 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 1 through 3. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have, and if I deliver my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Throughout the series, we've looked at many different ways to help depressed, anxious, and even despairing people outright discouraged and downcast people. But I hope that you see and make the connection to the verses that we just read, the very important reality that only people motivated by love will be able to truly help the downcast. It's Christ-like compassion and brotherly love that is the key ingredient for all Christian care and sympathy and help. Our church will not grow if we don't have Christians speaking biblical truth, motivated by love to each other. Using our different spiritual gifts to actually build one another up in love. The very mission of our church is to glorify God by building each other up in love and reaching out to others with that same love. Do you love the saints here at First Baptist Church of Gallatin? Now, I don't mean by saints, people you deem lovable and saintly. Or people somehow worthy and kind of good enough to warrant your love and affection. No. The word saint is designed and designated not for popes and prelates, but for every dear Christian believer throughout all history. Saints are Christians. And we must love one another. Or else we are just all talk, aren't we? As 1 John says, we are simply liars if we say that we love God and yet hate our brother. Now you might say, I don't hate anyone. Okay. Well, do you have a heart for the downcast and struggling amongst you? You might say, in your heart of hearts, in reality, not really. They are far too high maintenance for me. You might not say it that way, but you might think it. You might think they might, certain people just hold me back from really doing the will of God in my life. I don't want to be held back by people like that. You know what? If that's you in your heart of hearts, and you speak bad, poorly about downcast people, or you have very little patience for anyone who doesn't perfectly fit your 
mold? Do you know that in reality, you were just showing your hate and contempt for people in your actions, even though you don't say it in your words? You're just showing that you don't have Christ-like love in your heart for others, and that you're nothing but a phony, that you're a liar, as we just saw from 1 John. You see, Christians love one another. That's what they do. If we love God, we better show it by our love for other people. Christianity isn't just some up in the sky, I'm a Christian and I float around my life doing my own thing, personal religion. It's moved out into the lives of hurting people around us. It proves that we're genuine Christians when we love one another, including hurting and downcast people. God has literally invented the local church to be a place not of backbiting and gossip and one-upmanship, no, but a place of love and care to build one another up in love and truth as Ephesians 4 shows us. Are you building up this body in love? If so, wonderful, great, keep it up. What a blessing you are. I love it. I love what you do. I love your heart for the Lord and ministry and for other people at this church. Keep it up. And I know there's so many out there who are doing that. But if not, what in the world are you doing here? If you're not building us up, you're just tearing us down. And if that's you ever at any point in your life, right, that there could be different seasons when you might show that more, what you need to do is just kind of do a a 180 pronto. Turn around, go the other way, change, say sorry. (laughs) I don't know what got into myself. I was kind of selfish there. Would you forgive me, brother or sister? Oh, yes, I will forgive you. Pray and move on. That's that's, That's the direction here. That's helpful. That's helpful for hurting people. That's helpful for the health of our church. And if you're not acting like a Christian in that way, just start acting like a Christian now and loving others here at our church. (laughs) You prove it by what you're doing here at this church, not just on your own and in your own mind and your own whatever. No, no, no. Are you living out your life in the Christian life? We're going to see it in how you're treating people at this very local church. Do you see how practical it is? Because if we're going to truly provide help for the downcast, We need to have all of us this fuel for Christian help. And that's love. Jesus said in John 13, to love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. And 1 John 4, 19 says, we love because he first loved us. So this is not some self-induced kind of love, but it's a God-created love. That's true Christian love. Do you have it? You can't earn it. You can't just grab it and make it. It's either true of you or it isn't. What's true of you, church? And if you don't have it, you're just going to be a noisy gong, as 1 Corinthians 13 says. And you may be smart and prophetic and even really generous, or you may even give your life as a martyr 
But if you don't have this key ingredient, this secret sauce of love, you won't do anyone any good. So where is your heart, church? Does your heart hurt for the hurting? Does it break? Break for the broken. Does it cry for the downcast? If so, you're displaying Christian love and sympathy. And that's the kind of powerful ingredient that you could even do so much more than even the most decorated and knowledgeable experts of help in the world if you're a Christian. And I've mentioned this before. If you're armed with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the word of God and a heart transformed by the Holy Spirit with the love of God in your heart, you can really be there in amazingly significant ways to love and care and speak the truth to hurting people, to bear burdens, to provide rescue for those who are struggling. So remember... That every believer is called by God to be a helper or counselor to the downcast and to everyone around them. But that not all who claim to be helpers are helpful, providing good counsel and care. Some do quite the opposite and they hurt. So we must all resolve together to grow in our ability to help the hurting and downcast people by Christian growth and maturity. And also to make sure that all of our growth and help is soaked in the love of God for us and in us so that it might flow out of us to help others with a Christian kind of way, Christian-motivated kind of love. So let's pray for God's help as we seek to help the downcast. Father, we are desperate for you to work maturity into the lives of each member here of this church, of me and of every Christian. We will not grow. Oh, we're not going to grow, Lord, if you don't work these wonderful things in and through our heart. Would you use aspects of our church as we gather, as we use our gifts to care for one another, as we hear the word, as we discuss the word, as we pray the word, as we sing the word, as we see the word and the Lord's Supper and and things of that nature, as we see biblical truths even before our eyes, when we see the gospel pictured in these ordinances, Lord, would you, in all these ways, Lord, build us up into maturity and love and growth and care. And may First Baptist Church be an outpost of care. May it be a place of help for the hurting because you are maturing Christians here in significant ways that that just pours out in blessings to everyone around us, Lord. Would you do that in us? We say this in Christ's name. Amen.